0: greenie with mike greenberg the podcast
1: back and better than ever Greeny presented by progressive insurance with guests on the goodyear hotline ryan day head coach of ohio state a win in their opener last night he'll be live today rob ninkovich live today a zookeeper gets a little too close and tony romo is in love with my quarterback we're loaded up let's go here we go only one place to start I'm Ready to go right now
0: Green light light with greeny
1: in something of a surprise, six days to the start of the NFL season and right now, right smack dab in the middle of a great college football weekend, of which we will get into all of it. I wanted to start by giving Hembo the green light on what is an enormous baseball weekend because there are a variety of things that we're looking closely at that we won't have time to get back to them today. So, Hembo, what do the baseball fans need to know?
2: There are two things, Greenie. I think you could argue that this is the biggest weekend of baseball's regular season for two reasons. One... On the West Coast, the two best teams in baseball, the Giants and the Dodgers, both in the National League West, they own the best records in baseball. They play a three-game series in San Francisco this weekend. We'll get Sunday night baseball there. Walker Bueller will pitch for the Dodgers. But that's super, super important, obviously, Mm -hmm. because... What could very well happen is one of those teams is going to finish with the best record, the other is going to finish with the second best record, and one will host a playoff series, the other a one-game wild card game. So the Giants have been holding off the Dodgers the whole season long. They play each other in a three-game series this weekend. That, of course, is enormous. On the East Coast, the Yankees actually have a must-win series. If they play the Orioles, because anytime any team plays the Orioles, it is a must-win series. The Yankees play three games in Baltimore this weekend, and what makes that so interesting is that the Yankees are six and a half games right now behind the Rays in the standings, but if you exclude all the games in which those two teams played the Orioles, the Yankees have a better Record so that's what I'm saying. The Yankees this weekend six and a half games behind the Rays. If they have any shot
1: to win their division, they
2: have to go down to Baltimore and they have to sweep the Baltimore Orioles.
1: I think that's really interesting, and this is the reason I wanted to start here. And I'll make it straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, because those are two different examples of how the wild card format in baseball impacts the sport so much. It's still a relatively new. Phenomenon. That series, if they hadn't added the second wild card team in the National League West, then that series this weekend would be almost meaningless. And so it's an example of why that is so valuable and positive in the National League. In the American League, the Yankees are almost an example of the downside of the wild card, which is to say, if they have no chance of getting into the, the top of the division, these games feel a lot less important. My question to you is, do they have any realistic chance of catching the Rays? Not
2: really. I don't believe they do. The Rays are the best team in the American League, for my money. They've managed to gain ground on the Yankees in the month of August, despite the fact that during that month, the Yankees won 13 consecutive games. The Yankees do have a good number of games against the Orioles down the stretch. The Rays went 18-1, against the Orioles during, during the regular season, and I provided you the stat. If you exclude all the games in which they played just major league teams this right. season... <laughs> the Yankees have a better record. I don't give them much of a shot. So if I'm a Yankees fan right now, I'm obviously crossing my fingers. But every, everything is geared up towards that one wild card game where Garrett Cole is going to face whomever they face.
1: That straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. And so it does beg the question. And Bubba, I'll bring you in on this because many may not know this, but Bubba, who is you know my beloved and disheveled board operator and has been for many years, long before his extremely successful run in radio production, uh, Bubba actually worked in the front office of Major League Baseball as a very influential executive and I believe was instrumental in the decision to add the wild card to the baseball season. So, Bubba, I will ask you, the wild card format as it is, meaning the five teams in each league or the eight teams in each league that they did last year in the one-time only COVID situation or the proposal for next year, which would be the NFL format, seven teams in each league with one buy. Which of those do you Falling back on your many years of expertise, which do you think is actually the best format for baseball?
0: I'm going to go with the current format because I personally am a less is
1: more guy. And, and it, it does maintain the integrity and significance of the regular season. Hemba, which side do you fall on?
2: I prefer the NFL style. I prefer more playoff teams. I, play, I prefer more playoff games. That's what we want. I'm willing to compromise maybe a slightly shorter regular season schedule to get a sixth or maybe a seventh team from each league into the playoffs. I think that's better. I think you, see more, more of, you want more of the best thing that you have. Playoff baseball games are riveting. It's the best thing that we have. And I really don't think that it would water down the regular season too much. Because right now, what you have is a bunch of meaningless games from all the teams, you know, from right. the underbellies of each league that play each other. So the argument really works both ways.
1: Th- that's really what it comes down to is, are you more concerned about having the good teams play some meaningless games or... So many meaningless games among the bad teams. I, I think I have historically looked at it maybe the other way. I've looked at it as, well, I want this game but the Yankees to matter. some. But the reality is there are just game in September. There's just... Three-quarters of the games on the schedule have no bearing on anything, and if they can address that, maybe that's the right answer. One way or another, we'll see where it goes, but I wanted to make sure before we dive into all this football that we got a little baseball conversation in today. This is Greeny, and I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right, football is next. And we are six days till the start of the season. So, Bubba, I want you to give me a little, give me a little music. I I put together six things, six quick takes, as we are six days from the start of the season. So here they come, six quick NFL takes, six days from the start of the season. Number six. The Bears have it right on Justin Fields. I'm tired of hearing everyone say that the Bears should be starting Justin Fields. They don't believe he's ready. They're not doing this because they made some promise to Andy Dalton and they put on Instagram that he was QB1. They're doing this because he's not ready to play behind a terrible offensive line. They have a terrible offensive line. And the best way for a quarterback to combat an offensive line that is struggling is not by running for his life. It's by understanding a variety of things that a rookie quarterback may not always understand. you got Justin Fields here to be great for 15 years, not 15 minutes. They're doing the right thing, waiting on Fields. Number five, Mac Jones and the Patriots are going to win their division, and they're going to win a playoff game. The Patriots are scary good. Scary good. Look up and down. And again, Mac Jones, take the 10 off him and put 12 on. You won't realize it's not Brady. Now, don't anyone put the words in my mouth that I'm saying he is Tom Brady. Obviously, he's not. No one ever is or has been. But he plays exactly the same way. And if there's anything that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels know how to do, it's win like that. And they put together the exact right team around him. They got the offensive line. They got the running backs. They got the tight ends. They have a much better defense than people realize. The Patriots are going to win the AFC East And they're going to make a playoff run this year. Number four. So are the Browns. In fact, I believe the Cleveland Browns are the biggest threat to Kansas City in the AFC. I told you yesterday, I think Tennessee has a great chance to be the number one seed because their division could stink on ice. And both the Browns and the Chiefs are in really good, hard-fought, competitive divisions. So Tennessee may wind up with home field advantage in the AFC. But I believe if you're just looking at the best teams... Kansas City is one in the AFC and Cleveland is two. I am fascinated to see if this is finally the year for the Browns. Number three. Both Mel and Bart picked the Giants to win the NFC East on Get Up. That remains surprising to me. I, I just can't wrap my mind around it. And I'm going to tell you a little bit later in this hour who I believe is the overwhelming favorite to win the NFC East. And I talked about it on Get Up this morning. Hembo and I put together one of our essays. And spoiler alert, it's not the Giants. I think the Giants could nice. be okay. And, and spoiler <laughs> alert, unfortunately for you, Bob, or maybe fortunately, depending on your perspective, it's not the Cowboys either. All right, the hell with it. I'll just tell you it's Washington. They're by far the best team in that division. They are a legit contender in the NFC, and no one is talking about them. We'll talk further about that as we go. Number two. Meanwhile, people writing off the Steelers are going to look stupid. The Steelers are good. The Steelers just need to put the offensive line together a little. I know that Big Ben is getting up in age. He's 39 years old. And the legends to whom he will always be attached. Eli Manning is jumping out of boxes on Good Morning America. And Phillip Rivers is coaching a high school team. But Ben at 39 is going to have a better year than he did last year. And that defense is great. And they have great weapons. And now they have Najee Harris. If their offensive line just isn't the worst in the NFL... I think the Steelers are a playoff team. Number one. And finally, I am sad to say I think that we may have seen the last of Cam Newton in the NFL. I do not believe any team views him as their backup quarterback. You just don't want to bring in a a, a star of his magnitude. It just comes with more than it probably is worth in the backup role. I think his being unvaccinated, whatever you may think of that, is an enormous factor in decisions that will be made anywhere for backup quarterbacks. And Jeremy Fowler just told us on television that he asked an executive, what's the next stop for Cam? And that executive said TV. I think that's right. I hate to say it because I've always been a fan, but I think it is very possible Cam Newton has taken his last snap in the National Football League. And those are my six quick takes, six days to the start of the NFL season. I'm also here to settle the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 5G debate. Is that a phone or is it a tablet? Guess what? It's both. It's two screens in one, and it's truly life-changing. Get your new Galaxy Z Fold 3 5G at samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with Carrier. Coming up, Ryan Day, head coach Ohio State. I think he's about as good a coach as there is in the country. Uh, He will join us after they win their first game last night. He'll be live, and then I have seen it. The most insane, impossible headline in journalistic history. I'm going to read it to you coming up in a few minutes, and you aren't going to believe it. That's on the way. We're just getting started on a Friday. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickRanger.com or just stop by. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Oh, yeah. Greeny with you presented by Progressive Insurance. And I am delighted to say the head coach of Ohio State, Ryan Day, will join me in 30 seconds. On the Goodyear hotline with college football back and better than ever in the NFL six days away. Excited for all of that. Ohio State opened their season with a win last night on the road and a tough game against Minnesota. We'll talk to the coach right after this word from Zip Recruiter. According to Forbes, Jim Stores and more are set to go on an epic hiring spree to meet the pent up demand for all these services. Businesses reopening means that millions of jobs will need to be filled. Where do they turn to fill these roles fast? Zip Recruiter. With technology so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny at ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. And with that, is my delight to welcome back to the program the head coach of The Ohio State University, Ryan Day, is back with us. Good morning, Coach Day. Good morning, Greeny. How are you? I'm well. Congratulations on a good win and a hard-fought win last night, and I watched a lot of that game, and it was an interesting night um, against a Minnesota team that two years ago was a really good team, made it to the Big Ten Championship, and maybe last year was something of an anomaly with their struggles. Give me your your own read on your own team after a, a, a game last night in which you were down at the half and wound up finally pulling away to win it by two scores.
0: You know, it was it was very similar to kind of the way I thought it might go, which is, you know, on the road, Thursday night, a conference game against a veteran team, like you said, who two years ago they were a top-10 team in the country and really have a lot of those guys back on this team. Um, you know, we're very young, freshman quarterback. You know, it was raining a little bit, great crowd, first time playing in front of that crowd. So it was just a lot of things going on. And then we went down early and uh, just thought that we kept battling in the second half. It was a strange game. I mean, they really controlled the clock. Um, I think in the second half, I think we only ran 22 plays and uh, ended up with 35 points. So it was, it was, it was a strange uh, game, but I thought our guys battled and we learned a lot from it.
1: You ran 22 plays, but it felt like every one of them was a 50-yard touchdown. <laughs> the big play capability of your team. Take me through a little bit as a play caller. When you have guys that are home run hitters like that, and for folks who haven't seen them, Chris Olave is the best known name, but you have a bunch of guys who can take it to the house, including this new five-star running back you have, Henderson. How does that, Work when you are a play caller, and you have those guys that can make plays like that in space.
0: Yeah, it certainly makes it a lot easier to call them. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, I, I think the idea is that you know we want to have balance, and, and I think you know our offensive line and run game is really you know where it starts. But uh, the minute that happens, and they have to put extra guys down, that's that's where the one on one shots come in. And going going up against Minnesota, the way that they play their style of defense, I mean, they're going to have a lot of guys down in the run game uh, may not be a high completion game, but a, an opportunity for big explosive plays. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, Chris made some big plays. Like you said, Garrett makes, you know, the, the, the big catch there coming off of uh, the timeout and then, and then uh, Travion. So uh, the idea is to get those guys the ball in space and, uh, but the balance is critical.
1: Well, C.J. Stroud is the young quarterback that you're talking about, and he's. you had Dwayne Haskins there, who obviously had a monster year for you, and then Justin Fields, who put together these two great seasons, and now this young man, who's expected to be the next great quarterback, and uh, you just gave I, The number is remarkable. He only threw five passes in the second half. Four of them were touchdowns, 38, 56, 70, and 61 yards on those plays. How, how did you assess his first performance?
0: Um, it was typical of a, of a quarterback who had never thrown a college pass, uh, before in his life, you know, he came in and caught a couple, um, you know, easy completions early then missed a couple, uh, and, and then got a little uneasy at times, but we talked about it going in, you know, we're just going to keep calling them, you know, and if you miss another one, we're going to call it again. And, um, and that, that's how you work through a young quarterback. Um, you know, I don't know if it, what it is, but you know, I've had uh, nine, New quarterbacks in the last 10 years. So, this is something mm. that unfortunately we've gotten used to here is breaking in young quarterbacks. But I, you know, I wish he had had a whole year last year of coming in and getting 100 or 200 snaps under his belt, but he didn't because of COVID and all the games we missed. So, this is all new to him, and it's going to be, you know, some learning lessons along the way.
1: Yeah, the reason that you have all those guys is because they keep getting drafted in the first round in the NFL.
0: <laughs>
1: They're busy playing on Sundays. Ryan Day is with me on the Goodyear hotline, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear more driven. Quickly, uh, Coach, again, you start the season last night with a win, um, and on it goes into a big game against Oregon, and we'll see where it takes you. There was a bunch of huge things happening in college football right now that I just wanted to get a quick perspective from you on. If I could, one of them is this conference craziness. Um, we see some teams are leaving to go to the sec. And now there's all these different conversations that seem to be going on. I've kind of lost track of where the big 10 is in all of this, just from where you sit, what is your perspective on all of this conference realignment that seems to be taking place around us?
0: Yeah, Greeny, you know, for me, uh, I have such a great athletic director in Gene Smith at, and honestly, you know, all my time and effort is really with this team right now and some of these young guys. I really leave it up to him. I mean, he kind of gives me weekly updates on where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like one of those things, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. And, you know, maybe in the off season, you know, give some more thought to it. But I'm honestly putting my trust in him. We talk about things, but there, there's been a lot of change in college football. And yeah. this is just another step in it, you know, whether it's the – the playoff restructuring, if that's going to happen, but the, the name, image, likeness, the transfer rule. I mean, there's just been so much change in the last year. Forget the last five years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I've said it before. You know, I, I, my only concern is we wake up in five years and we don't recognize college football. Uh, and, and whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But certainly as somebody uh, who loves the way it is, you get nervous.
1: Well, how is it impacting it the way it is? I totally get that this is not primary on your mind right now, and I appreciate you even going there for a minute. But um, all of those things, the name, image, and likeness stuff, that just happened. That just just one day it wasn't, and then one day it was. Um, And the possibility of playoff expansion and everything else. How has it changed the way you go about being a head football coach this quickly?
0: Well, I I think that there's... There's more dynamics at play with, you know, guys being able to to come and and go to other programs. Um, And then there's different opportunities at different schools, maybe in that name image of likeness space. So I think the bottom line is the way it affects us as a coaching staff is in recruiting, especially, we have to be very, very honest with exactly what's going to happen when they get here and uh, recruit them the same way we treat them when they're here. And then when they're here over communicate and tell them exactly what's going on. Uh, Because, You know, if there's any surprises along the way, that's when, you know, hard feelings can happen and you you can have disruptions. So I think that's been the biggest focus is recruiting great people and being really honest in recruiting.
1: A very interesting time in the sport. There's no question about it. All right, Coach, I will let you run again. Congratulations on a good start last night. Thank you very much for a few minutes here and I'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Greeny. All right, that's Ryan Day, head coach at Ohio State. And to me, he's one of the absolute best coaches in the country. I I do believe that someday he will be an NFL head coach. That's, I think, probably a long way down the road. He's He's got other very significant fish to fry between now and then. But the NFL is salivating over him. I think he is as good a play caller as there is in the college game right now. Like I'm interested to see Sarkeesian coming back now as a head coach. And like all these guys who go and work for Nick, Bill O'Brien is calling the plays at Alabama this year. Like there's just, it's a fascinating time in college football and we'll see how that thing turns out. So with week one here tomorrow night on ABC and ESPN radio, Georgia Clemson, Huge game from Charlotte. The College Football Preview brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. With closing times averaging under 21 days, Cross Country Mortgage is dedicated to getting it done. Visit them at ccm.com. Meanwhile. I'm sorry, what? What, what, what? I'm sorry, what? What? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm I'm trying to decide if I'm happy or not happy with what Tony Romo said. Did, Did you guys hear what Tony Romo said, Bubba? Did you see what Romo said about my quarterback? I see what everything Tony Romo says. That's that's a good point. So Bubba's favorite (laughs) it should be pointed out. Bubba's favorite human being on the planet is Tony Romo. Um, And if there's one thing he's demonstrated since he retired, it's that he understands quarterback play about as well as anybody. So Hembo, did you see what he said about Zach Wilson? I did,
2: and I'm bracing myself for how you're going to respond.
1: Well, I can't make up my mind. So, you know, CBS, they do their call. You know, they put all their analysts on there and all the media gets to ask them questions. And someone asked him about Zach Wilson, and he said, quote, he'll be in the discussion of the top three to five quarterbacks very quickly. He can make up for a lot of weaknesses. Let me say that again. He'll be in the discussion of the top three to five quarterbacks very quickly. So my initial reaction was enormous excitement. And then I got a note. My friend Chris Carrera is a crazy Jet fan, crazier than I am with this business. And he says to me, did Romo just put all the pressure in the world on Zach Wilson? And I thought, huh, I hadn't really considered that. So you tell me, Hembo, because you're my level-headed friend. Should I be, A, incredibly excited that Tony Romo thinks that highly of my new quarterback? Or, B, concerned that all of this hype, all I mean, someone as credible as Tony is and, and others who are heaping all of this praise on him before the kid throws his first NFL pass that counts— Should I be concerned that that is creating a dynamic that in the big picture is not good?
2: You value Tony's opinion, don't you? Of course. Well, then you should be thrilled that he said this. And if if he's that kind of good, nothing that Tony Romo says or nothing that anyone else says is going to change the fact that this kid's going to be special. I don't think that the pressure thing does matter, but the talent matters way more. And if he thinks he's got that kind of talent... If I were you, I wouldn't worry, a thing about the pressure?
1: You know who else thinks that, of course, is Steve Young. Mm. And we had Steve on here. So that's two really, really good judges of quarterbacks. Steve Young also, he loves Zach Wilson. He was in the middle of sort of trying to engineer Zach Wilson to San Francisco once upon a time. That's water under the Golden Gate Bridge. Zach is ours now. Uh, my son is being renamed. We're going to the DMV. I'm renaming Stevie Zach and Nikki Wilson. That's how much I like him. Here's what I would say. I think when you become the quarterback, of any NFL team multiply it by the New York factor. And I don't know whether that's doubling it or, or multiplying it by a thousand, but it is a multiple. I think the pressure is the pressure, right? I don't, I don't think that there's anything anyone can say that is going to elevate the pressure beyond where it already is, which is to say the fans are starving. We're dying for this. just three years ago, we thought we had our savior and and that obviously went to call it sideways would be an understatement. So I think the pressure is already there. So whether Tony Romo said, I think he's going to be the best quarterback ever, or Tony Romo said, I can't believe they took him at number two, it was a huge mistake, or anything in between, I think halfway through the season, that won't matter. The Jet fan will make up our own mind. Either we love him or, oh, no, we're scared to death here. And, you know, you have to ride the roller coaster. But my, I think what I've landed on is that the, the level of pressure that exists is already so high in being an NFL starting quarterback. And when you're drafted number two overall and everything else, I just don't think it can be ratcheted up in a meaningful way by what anybody says.
2: How much of Sam Darnold's demise
1: came because of the New York pressure? None. How much of Mark Sanchez's demise came because of the New York pressure? Maybe a little. Uh, Maybe not the New York pressure as much as the New York thing. Like, I think Mark, and I think in an honest moment he would admit this, I think being the star quarterback in New York may have impacted him. Not the pressure. Remember, he came in, they went to the championship game consecutive years. But, you know, Mark came in and he owned the town and he's a super good-looking guy. and He's in in GQ before he even starts and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. I do think the star... You know, Bill Parcells always said, don't be a celebrity quarterback. I think there was a mm. little, like Sanchez is Southern California cool, right? I think Mark, and, and I know him well, and I love the guy. I think I think being a star in New York, which does come with some stuff, was a factor. I don't think Sam Darnold had a chance, no matter what. I don't think anyone. I don't think, I mean, Johnny Unitas could have succeeded <laughs> with the nonsense that they had around Sam the last three years. So I... What I would say is, I don't think that the New York factor had any opportunity to be a factor. You know, before that was Chad. Chad, the only things that impacted Chad negatively were injuries. He lost a a, a mile off his fastball that he just didn't have to lose based on shoulder injuries. Otherwise, he would have been great. He would have been, Chad Pennington would have been a great Mm. quarterback. I will go to my grave believing that. We'll see. One way or another, I'm not sure there can be a greater degree of pressure than there is. All right, next order of business. I just want you to know. All right, I promised you that I was going to read it to you because I have seen it now. I have seen the most ridiculous headline in the history of journalism. And I'm going to read it to you verbatim. I'm upset about it, and I will tell you why. Did Buster send it to you? Buster, this I think was linked to a note that Buster sent, right? That's right. right.
2: It, was, it was linked inside Buster's note. So that it's it's Buster problem. adjacent.
1: The, 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 <laughs> yes. the problem I'm having here, Bubba, and I, and I, and I bemoaned this yesterday, is that I like to think of myself as a credible person. I went to the best journalism school in the world, and I've had a long and storied (laughs) career in broadcasting. And yet now I'm the person that people send these headlines to based on spiders (laughs) and all the other stuff. The headline is as follows. Woman banned from zoo after unhealthy relationship with chimp. Quote, he loves me. There are so many things about that that I'm upset about. The primary one being that this was sent to me, that I'm now the person people immediately think of when there's a story about a woman having an inappropriate relationship with a Belgian chimp. This is a zoo in Belgium. I mean, I don't think you're upset, nearly as upset as she is. The woman, whose name is Adie Timmermans, said to a Belgian TV channel, quote... I love that animal and he loves me. <laughs> the heartsick woman had reportedly been visiting the male chimp on a weekly basis for 4 years in what she described as, quote, a real relationship. <laughs> this is a this is a problem and when I say that I mean the problem is that people now associate me with this. This is unimaginably upsetting. (laughs) I don't even know what to say. So, what should we say about this? What more? What am I missing in this story, Hembo? Because I know you were going over it in some finer detail. Yeah,
2: I was actually watching. I I didn't believe this headline when I when I saw it originally. So I actually went and watched the video. And there's a video. There's a video linked to the to the story in which this woman very emotionally is pouring out her soul. I didn't understand. She was speaking in Belgian, but it was there's no Belgian. She, she, you said this is a Belgian story. No, right?
1: it's a story. was no language called Belgian.
2: Well, what was she speaking to me then?
1: Well, I don't know, but they speak multiple languages what, in Belgium. What, what do they speak? A, they speak either French or German, I think. They, they don't speak. They definitely. There is don't. no language called Belgian. Correct. There is no I would language. have guessed German. would have been my guess. It, it's, it's, oh, I, think, I think the country is divided. I don't know. I was only there once. But I think there's no question there's no language called... Can someone look this up for me? There's no question in my mind there's no, que- there's no language called Belgium.
2: So if you're a Belgian woman in Belgium speaking to a chimp, what language are you using? <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, do we have... The three official languages are Dutch, French, German. Dutch, French, and German. So, <laughs> so the question is, is this chimp conversant... <laughs> in Dutch, French, or German? Or, does it not matter because the language of love is universal? Mm. See, what am I doing? Why am I playing further into this? Again, I can't believe I'm reading this, but a woman says, quote, I love that animal and he loves me, and they've told, him, they've told her that she cannot be around the animal even though she says that the attraction is mutual, <laughs> but it is a, reportedly causing the chimp to be shunned by his fellow apes. <laughs> Why is this happening? I have a question.
2: I have a question. What? What is your question? I I read down further here, and what I'm looking at now is a picture of her kissing him through the glass. So my question to you is, can you be sure you love someone if you've never actually touched them? Like, they're kissing through a pane of glass.
1: It's a chimp! This is not someone... (laughs) This is a, what would you? Is have that really the question make? we have here? I have several questions. That's one of my questions. That's Let's... the worst one you're gonna have. You're telling me that I just read you a story about a woman and a heartsick chimp who says that he loves me and I love him. And your first question is, can you really have a relationship yeah. with someone through glass? Yeah. Have they touched? That's a, but, but, but that's not the question. What's the, the question? Chimpanzee? I don't know. You want them to have conjugal visits? This well, is a chimpanzee. They just, they just cut
2: her off from those. It sounds.
1: Uh,
0: uh,
1: uh, isn't that in everyone's best interest (laughs) not not ad timmerman (laughs) Uh, uh, yes it is you cannot allow ad timmerman to be having conjugal visits with a chimpanzee (laughs) how can that possibly be the first question you have
2: because what's your next question because
1: i'm taking i'm taking
2: her word for it that she is in love i'm trying to You you don't even know what language she's speaking. How could you be taking her word for anything? Here's a better question then. So obviously anything is a better question. On Facebook, what is her relationship status? It's obviously not single. Is she in a relationship or (laughs) is it complicated?
1: Which of those three? (laughs) Yes, it is unimaginably complicated. (laughs) It is unprecedentedly complicated because I don't know everything. But I do know that if your first reaction is to say, I love that chimp and he loves me. It has gotten really, really complicated. (laughs) All right. One team that everybody cares about has already blown its chance to be good. And a very famous person has to take the blame. I'll tell you which team and which person next after this word from Bank of America. So it's baseball season. You're going all out. You ordered the essentials to make game day a success. A jersey, a power recliner, a bigger screen and you used your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping, rewards that you put toward an essential piece of the celebration, an air horn. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding, copyright 2021 Bank of America Corporation. We're back on a flash, or in a flash. I'm thrown off on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I am Greeny, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit progressive.com. Rob Ninkovich Live. In about 15 minutes, as we are six days in counting to the start of the NFL season, we are staring headlong at an enormous college football weekend. The baseball is coming hot, and Abby so we are busy today and glad that you're along for the ride. Meanwhile, I told you, there is one team that everybody cares about that has already blown its chance to be good, and a very famous person has to take a lot of the blame. And that team is the now Las Vegas Raiders. I'm still having a hard time saying that, I'm old enough to remember when they were the Oakland Raiders and then the Los Angeles Raiders and then the Oakland Raiders again. And there's a part of me to whom they will always be the Oakland Raiders. But when they brought back John, I really thought they had an outstanding opportunity to turn things around. I was one of the very few people who defended them, trading away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper, because I thought to myself, John is playing the long game. And for those who are sort of new to me, John Gruden worked at ESPN for, I think, 11 years. He was on Mike and Mike with us every week. So I think I've probably talked to John Gruden uh, in my life on the air. I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of times um, and off the air a little bit as well. So I like John. I'm predisposed to want to defend him. And I 100 percent root for him because I've always liked him. But what cannot be ignored is that they were in the best situation any team could be in. They traded Kulamak for all of this draft capital. They traded Amari Cooper for a first-round pick. They had all these draft picks, and they didn't need a quarterback. They were in the best situation you can be in. They were in a position to try and rebuild the team, and they had the good young quarterback in place. Because that's what Derek Carr is. While no one wants to give him the credit for being that, he is. Derek Carr is more than good enough. At minimum, he is far from being the problem. But Hembo, you and I were going over this in the office this morning. They just blew it. They blew it. They made one terrible pick after another. And while Mike Mayock will probably be the one who ultimately takes the fall for that when they finish last in their division this year, and they're going to. But really, I think some of that has to stick to John, don't you? Probably so. But when we
2: talk today on Get Up about The reason this came up was because Mike Mayock said we have to be a playoff team Mm -hmm. this year. But my thing here is, if they were going to be good, we would have known already. Their process was good. You were right two years ago when you said trading Khalil Mack was smart and trading Amari Cooper was smart. But process doesn't equal results if you flub all five picks. They had five first-round picks in 2019 and 2020. It looks like they've gone at best one for five. Josh Jacobs is the only one there that looks like a legit building block at all. So... And that's a running back,
1: you know, and again, I mean, running back. we could have all these arguments about the value of a running back. And I I happen to be a believer in taking a running back in the first round. So I'm not even knocking that decision. But to your point, the rest of the picks have been disastrous. And you, like you said, you inherited not only a good quarterback, one on a
2: team-friendly contract. You didn't even have to touch the quarterback thing. To me, their chance to get good has already come and passed. And if you look at the, the coaches who have lost the most games over the last three years, John's tenure in, uh, with the Raiders, they've all been fired, and it's him. That's the list. That's the list. It's, it's Doug Marone. Adam Gase and John Gruden and Matt Patricia to those four guys. So like, the results sort of speak for themselves. Their process was good. Their execution was not. They they, they sort of stretched on a lot of those draft picks, and they're going to pay for it. I think Mayock's the one that's going to have to take the blame.
1: I think that's right. I think ultimately he's going to be out. And uh, John has so much money. And, like sometimes contracts, <laughs> you know, dictate circumstances. So he won't get fired. But boy, it has been a disappointing beginning for the Raiders, and I think they are definitively fourth in a four-team division this year. Airlines, restaurants, and more have been ramping up their hiring. Who do they turn to? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can easily invite your top choices to apply. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. Meanwhile...
2: The list is what determines who matters in this business. The green
1: list. All right, today's Green List. I gave you six quick takes on the NFL earlier. Now I'm going to give you my top five notes you need to know going into what might be the best college football weekend of the season. Like, it's the first real weekend, but it might be the best one we get all year long. Number five. Because we've never seen a week one like this. There are five ranked matchups, the most in a week one since the AP poll began in 1950. It is one great game after another on the schedule tomorrow. Number four. Alabama, the reigning champ, is preseason number one for the sixth time under Nick Saban. But... Only twice in the last 20 years has the preseason number one team gone on to win the national championship. Saban and Alabama did it once in 2017, and USC did it in 2004, and that's it. Bama's a 19-and-a-half point favorite against Miami tomorrow. Give the points. Number three. You want to bet against Alabama, though? Uh, the, The place to look is Oklahoma. A lot of people love them, and they're plus 750 to win it all at Caesars this year. They have the Heisman favorite in Spencer Rattler at quarterback. They have a friendlier schedule than all those teams in the SEC where they'll eventually be. If you're looking to go a different direction from Alabama, Oklahoma is the place. Number two. Ohio State won its opener last night against Minnesota. They're 18-0 and against Big Ten teams under Ryan Day. Only one of those wins didn't come by double digits that was a touchdown victory over Indiana last year during COVID. There's anyone betting against Ohio State to make the playoff this year is out of your mind. Number one. And finally, there is a college football playoff game this weekend: Georgia Clemson tomorrow night, primetime on ABC. According to our playoff predictor, this game will have the biggest impact on the playoff field of any game that will be played all season long. That is the beauty of college football in its current incarnation. This is a playoff game, primetime, tomorrow night. Ninko next, ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.